Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. everyone and welcome to New Books in French Studies. I'm your host, Roxanne Panchassi. My guest today is Katrine Yakovan, the author of Benjamin Bart and the Singularity of Photography. And the book was published by Continuum in 2012 and has recently come out in a new paperback edition with Bloomsbury. Katrine is also the editor of a special issue of Nottingham French Studies on photography in contemporary French and Francophone cultures that came out in the summer of 2014. So I'm hoping we'll get a chance to talk about both of these publications during our conversation. Hi there, Katrine. Hi, Roxanne. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Oh, thank you for your invitation. I wonder if you could get us started by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what got you interested in French studies. Yes, sure. I am currently assistant professor um, in French studies at the University of Nottingham in the UK. And my interest in French studies really goes back to my childhood, I suppose. Um, I learned French at a very early age and uh, spent a lot of time in France and holidays, etc. And um, I suppose this just got me interested in, in everything French, the language, the culture. Um, and so I started when it came to university already at high school. Um, I started sort of, you know, focusing on French and at university then sort of started reading more seriously about French culture, French theory and French history. So what brought you to the subject of photography in particular? Um, in addition to studying French, I also uh, studied art history. And um, within art history, I focused on uh, photography. And I suppose it was a kind of mutual attraction between um, the two authors, the two thinkers I chose to work on, uh, Benjamin and Bart, um, who are known as, you know, the most, uh, two of the most um, often referenced um, authors in the history and theory of photography. So it was a combination of this and also this background in art history and photography that kind of uh, seemed, made it seem very natural for me to uh, look at these two thinkers in relation to photography and sort of visual culture more generally. Mm-hmm. And you do, you know, the book is focused on these two towering 20th century thinkers, Benjamin and Barth, as you say. You look at some of their classic writings on photography and you situate each of them in relationship to the historical context in which they were thinking about photography and making connections between their ideas. Um, I wonder if you could give us some very brief biographical and intellectual information about each of these two authors before we get into the arguments you're making in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, uh, Walter Benjamin was uh, born in Berlin uh, at the end of the 19th century. Um, he was born into a, you know, fairly wealthy, um, fairly well-off Jewish family. Um, he had a rather uh, difficult uh, sort of intellectual training, or rather it was very difficult for him to um, gain entry um, as an ordinary professor um, in, in the German academic system uh, at the time, um, which um, was in part due, obviously, um, uh, to the, the historical moment, but also due to his particular um, kind of work, um, a work that was very much sort of at the between disciplines um, or um, in certain cases also sort of not very um, sort of not really conforming to the to the current or dominant trends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously also because of the historical um, circumstances, the rise of of, um, of Nazi of Nazism in Germany, uh, Benjamin was forced into exile and he left Germany um, at the beginning of the 1930s and 1933 uh, to take permanent residence um, up in Paris, uh, which is really where he spent uh, the rest of his life um, until 1940, when again he was forced. Um, with the uh, Nazi troops moving in, closing the, um, in on Paris, he was forced to move to the south of France and then planned to flee um, 
where there were sort of several plans, um, his friends Adorno and Horkheimer, who had already moved uh, by then to New York, uh, where they continued the, their work um, in, in the context of, you know, what is known as the Frankfurt School, they tried to, um, to get him a visa to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Benjamin had, um, when he uh, left France, I think, um, he had um, uh, a visa to get from Spain to um, or to get out of Spain, but he didn't have a visa to um, to get out of France. Um, and so it was um, in a very um, small border town, Portbou, in Spain, that he committed suicide in mm-hmm. 1940. Uh, you know, we were talking about this before uh, the interview, Katrine. This idea that. You know, I know that Benjamin, of course, <laughs> wasn't a French yes. person, but, um, you know, and we're doing this interview in the context of a, of a French studies podcast. But as you say, you know, he spent so much important time in France. And also, I mean, I think of some Benjamin as someone who is so engaged with French culture that, you know, as a French studies person, does it seem comfortable to be working on, uh, you know, someone who's both inside and outside of France? Is that does that pose particular challenges or Yes, sure. Um, well, Benjamin, um, I think I mentioned to you, when you read Benjamin in German, you realize how much he has actually written in, in, in French, um, which sometimes can get lost in translation when this is not made explicit. Um, in fact, some of Benjamin's most well-known um, essays, for example, the essay on the uh, reproducibility of the artwork, was in fact first published in French um, mm-hmm. and not in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and his sort of magnum opus, uh, which remained unfinished. Um, the arcades project was, of course, also, um, well, he worked on this between, or he started working on this in 27, uh, when he first uh, went to France, uh, to Paris for, for a longer period of time, really until the end of his life. And there again, his sources are French. And the book, in fact, in German, half of it is in French, mm-hmm. because Benjamin never translated um, the, the kind of, you know, quotations and the fragments that that he collected mm-hmm. into German. He left everything in in French. But beyond this kind of linguistic uh, reason, uh, Benjamin is a uh, thinker who was very very um, much influenced by the French tradition. Um, um, you know, in terms of sort of literary traditions, for example, he um, he was very much influenced by Baudelaire's ideas about modernity. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually translated the first three volumes of Proust's A la Recherche du Temps Perdu. Um, so he was, his whole thinking is really steeped in French tradition and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, of course, a tension, a tension, a dialogue perhaps more uh, between the kind of German tradition he comes, or this German background where he comes from and the, the French tradition in which he, um, he sort of moves around. But I think this is a, it, it's rather an interesting aspect rather than something that gets in the way of, you know, mm-hmm. French studies um, mm-hmm. as a kind of per se. Yeah. And what about Bart then? Um, can you give Bart- us a little background information on Bart to situate <laughs> yes. us? Uh, Bart uh, was born in 1915 um, in the uh, southwest of France and uh, spent most of his life um, in in Paris. Um, He also, um, not unlike Benjamin, had um, a rather difficult um, sort of university academic career because of illness he um, was unable to to sit for the the entry exams to the the École Normale Supérieure. Um, and from then on, um, he really had a sort of very difficult, um, difficult career. Um, however, Bart eventually was um, elected to the chair of semiology at the very prestigious Collège de France, mm-hmm. um, and so ended his career really um, sort of at the you know at the sort of absolute top of, of French um, academia. But again, uh, like Benjamin, and this is also what made it so interesting for me to juxtapose the these two very different thinkers also mm-hmm. coming from very different traditions. Um, 
the similarities and the, the, the difficulties they had in their careers in a way I think also influenced their writing or vice versa. I'm not mm. quite sure which, which way. Um, but their writing, so Bart's writing is also characterized by um, a sort of typical um, sort of between disciplines. There is now, he is not just a literary critic or a philosopher or, you know, he is like Benjamin, uh, between disciplines, uh, writing um, essay-like, uh, es- you know, little essay-like uh, books or um, uh, smaller texts in reviews, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So I think there's also a similarity, despite all the differences, you know, the linguistic uh, differences, the traditions they come from, um, the different times in which they worked. Uh, Bach uh, died in 1980. Um, um, as the result or the consequences of a car accident he had in Paris. Mm-hmm. So despite all these differences, there are on this, you know, already on this kind of very, well, on a, you know, sort of a superficial disciplinary level, if you like, you know, quite a lot of similarities between them. Katrine, in the beginning of the book, you explored the question of influence in all of these different sorts of ways. And I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that, you know, to what extent uh, would you say that Bach on photography or in terms of his broader thought and work, was influenced by Benjamin? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, this is a question that um, I was very surprised when I started working on these uh, two authors, um, you know, and the scholarship on on Benjamin and Bach, um, you know, could fill entire libraries. So they are not authors, you know, sort of under-researched authors by any means. Sure. Uh, However, what I did find surprising is that um, hardly anyone even mentioned um, the question of influence, uh, let alone sort of, you know, duck a little bit further, uh, looked a little bit more in detail what the, the possible in influences could have been. Mm-hmm. And I felt that embarking on, on this comparative project between the two that I just couldn't get around the question without um, in turn sort of seeing influence as this, you know, monolithic one direction. Um, uh, concept. Um, I always um, thought of influence paradoxically going both ways. Um, if we look um, back at, if we look back at it and look at this comparison, um, uh, Bach's work also influences Benjamin's. It's a, it's a slightly paradoxical idea, but mm-hmm. um, I always believed that you know there there there, there is a sort of dialogue. And so this question of influence for me, as I say, was a kind of natural starting point. And um, I was very surprised um, and very happy uh, to find um, some very interesting uh, details uh, in relation to this question. Um, And this is in particular um, in the context of photography, which has a lot to do with photographic images, um, which again, the actual images uh, these two uh, thinkers talk about is something that hasn't been talked about a lot, or at least I felt not uh, in, in enough detail. And so when I started looking a little bit closer at the images they use and also just very practically at uh, the, the bibliography of Bart's uh, La Chambre Claire, uh, Camera Lucida, although I have to refer to the French title here because the uh, bibliography is simply omitted uh, in the English translation. Huh. Um, but by looking at the French bibliography, um, Bart made reference to um, a special number um, of the Nouvelle Observateur, which is a um, weekly magazine. Um, mm-hmm. And in the 1970s, uh, Robert Delpierre, who is um, a very important uh, person in the French uh, and especially Parisian photography scene, put together um, a couple of special numbers. Um, and in these special numbers, they were really very beautifully produced with, you know, extremely uh, high-quality reproductions, uh, something that, you know, is impossible to find nowadays. And in one of these uh, special numbers, and exactly the number that Bart refers to, um, there was a translation of Benjamin's most important text on photography, um, the little history of photography. And the images which uh, illustrated Benjamin's essay in translation are some of the images, the same images that Bart reuses in his mm. own writing. 
So for me, there was um, a clear, well, this was a clear sign that um, Bart, well, it is, you know, very likely that he would have read uh, uh Benjamin's text and translation, and in fact, we know from an interview that he gave a couple of years later that he indeed uh, now he he indeed uh, knew this this article or this essay by Benjamin. But for me, this opened up the the, the kind of um, interesting question of why, and this is you know the perennial question: uh, Why did Bach not uh, quote Benjamin? Why does he not refer to Benjamin like he does? Um, uh, refer to other texts in, in La Chambre Claire in particular. For Bach's standard, uh, his book on photography is really quite well referenced. And so rather than going sort of into too much detail into this question that I think ultimately we can't answer, what I found very interesting is that there is, um, this, this, well, citation almost. It's almost like an image citation, a visual citation by using um, the same photographs that illustrated Benjamin's text um, in the French translation, in the Nouvelle Observateur, uh, that he used these same images in his own book. So I found it quite quite an interesting starting point to explore these, um, yes, these, these visual connections also between the, the two thinkers. So we've covered the two thinkers, I mean, not in their entirety, we'll talk about them more. But um, in the title, Benjamin Bach, and you've given us some information, some sort of background about both of these uh, thinkers. So I want to take on the second part of the title now and ask you about the singularity of photography and what that uh, notion means to you and how it's working for you throughout the book. Yes. Um, well, singularity, to talk about the singularity of photography may seem quite uh, paradoxical at first sight because, well, photography is uh, first and foremost uh, associated with reproducibility, um, mm-hmm. not least uh, thanks to Benjamin's own uh, writings. Right. Um, however, um, for me, singularity was sort of the main concept or the main point of comparison, or it became rather the main uh, point of comparison uh, between these two authors. And I think the first thing I would say about the singularity of photography in Benjamin's and Bach's works is that it really, I tried to sort of um, not, I didn't have this idea of singularity and try to find it in their works. It was really something that came out of my engagement um, with these two authors. Um, And singularity is not uh, something that is related to the um, material image, uh, the photographic image in its uniqueness. Um, uh, this is obviously a very sort of very complicated concept as well, again, in photography, where uh, the uniqueness of the image, where one may wonder what, what this could be. Is it the negative? Is it the first print? Is it the uh, vintage print? Is it, you know, could it be later prints? So the whole question of uniqueness, again, is sort of very, it's very tricky with photography. So this is then not what singularity is about. Mm-hmm. Um, singularity is, although it may be related to certain aspects of the the medium specificity of photography, it is in fact um, a rather relational concept. It is um, an event-like concept. It's something that happens rather than, you know, a kind of ontological or, well, rather than than a kind of feature of an image. It's something that happens Mm. and something that happens between three elements, the photograph itself, the reference in the photograph, i.e. the sitter, the depicted, the represented person, and the particular viewer. Mm. So singularity in this sense is a kind of, you know, three-dimensional or three-part relation um, that happens uh, between the photo, the viewer, and the person photographed. Right. And I, I'm wondering, I want to come back to this question of, you know, portraiture and the emphasis on mm-hmm. portraiture. But before we get to that, let's just talk a little bit about the role that the work on photography plays in Benjamin's larger body of work. Um, so what's the status of photography in Benjamin's work? And, you know, to do the kind of flip of that, what can, what would you say are his sort of major, I mean, in broad strokes, 
contributions to the to the world of of the theory and, and, and history of photography. Well, Benjamin wrote, um, he didn't write an awful lot on, on photography in terms of quantity. However, um, I think what he wrote um, is of uh, such high quality, has so much, um, there is so much that can be said about it, is that, you know, mm-hmm. even, even though there are only really well, two major texts. Um, there is the little history of photography, um, which was a text that he wrote in 1931, a very important moment um, in Weimar, Germany, in the context of sort of, you know, recent developments, technological, but also technological developments, but also wider, te- uh, wider developments in society. Um, and he wrote this text, um, so he wrote this text in the context of Weimar Germany in 1931 um, as a review essay. Um, so it was in fact not even conceived in the first place as a kind of theoretical piece of writing, but rather a response to um, a couple of recent publications um, on photography, on 19th century photography. So in the 1930s, this was the moment when the first richly illustrated books um, appeared in Weimar, Germany, that actually looked back at the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And so Benjamin's, um, this, this first text from 1931 is very much um, focused on 19th century um, photography. Um, the second text that, so the second um, of the the two most important texts on photography that Benjamin wrote is the um, artwork essay, um, and their photography, the status of photography is is slightly different because photography is seen more as a tool for reproduction and the reproduction of art first and foremost. Mm. So the question is not so much even on photography as, you know, the medium as such and what the medium of photography or photographic images are about, but rather what photography does to painting and art. There are a couple of sort of smaller texts and and passages in the Arcades project where Benjamin also talks about photography. And this gives a kind of indication that photography in Benjamin's work is part of this whole um, idea of developing a kind of archaeology or ur-history of modernity, going back to the 19th century. um, And Paris for him was the kind of, you know, quintessential um, city where uh, modernity started, sort of going back to the 19th century in order to understand modernity and the process that that, you know, Benjamin saw himself still um, as, you know, as, as being a part of. Mm-hmm. You explore so many interesting ideas, uh, Katrine, in Benjamin's thoughts and work on photography. And one of these, I mean, I know we can't talk about all of them, in, you know, because of time constraints, but one of the ones that you talk about that play, seems to play a particularly important role in, in your book is this idea of aura, especially in portraiture. And um, I wonder if you could say something more about what aura means in Benjamin's work, um, what this emphasis on portraiture, and especially the, the status of family photographs uh, <laughs> is in, in Benjamin's work. Yes, well, Aura um, is, you know, one of the, the, the sort of most um, sort of um, most recognizable terms, I think, in Benjamin's um, uh, media theory, if we, mm-hmm. can, we can call it that. Um, aura um, is usually thought of as being related to the artwork essay, um, and hence, um, Photography is usually seen, um, according to the artwork essay, as taking away the aura of the artwork. However, what is interesting, if we look at his earlier writings, and in particular um, at the essay from 1931, aura is actually a very, very different concept. So the first thing I would say, therefore, about aura is that it's very difficult to talk about aura as such, because the term undergoes so many developments and changes in Benjamin's thought. Um, And so in my work, I suppose I focused um, more on the aura in relation to photography. And in the 19, well, in the um, 1931 uh, little history of photography, Benjamin relates aura to uh, 19th century portraiture. The choice of portraiture has something to do in part with um, the fact, as I already mentioned, that Benjamin reviewed um, a couple of um, recent publications, and these publications were mainly, if not exclusively, um, on portraiture. 
So in part, it really comes from, you know, the work that he's, he's looking at. And aura in relation to 19th century portraiture is still not a very straightforward term. And in fact, there are many ambiguous passages in Benjamin, uh, in, in, in Benjamin's essay. Sometimes aura seems to be um, a kind of equivalent of the the, the sort of um, early technique, uh, the, the photographic technique um, that created a certain, um, especially in the calotypes. Um, calotypes were the first negative positive images um, uh, with based on uh, negative, uh, sorry, paper negatives, and the effect of the positive prints was a kind of very um, sort of grainy, um, f- um, um, sort of black and white, um, sort of not very distinct, um, you know, black and white contrast. And aura almost seems like a sort of quality of the image that is created um, by this early technology. Hmm. In other places, however, in the essay, um, aura appears to be much more of a phenomenon that is uh, perceived um, and hence perhaps even co-created by the viewer. Mm -hmm. It's something that happens between the viewer and the image. Um, In a later essay, um, an essay on Baudelaire, uh, Benjamin comes back to this idea of the aura in relation to photography, um, and he describes aura as um, a kind of reciprocal gaze, um, um, a gaze from the viewer to the object, but also a gaze that is returned from the object to the viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of this um, exchange of gazes and the kind of uh, reciprocal nature between the viewer and the object um, is foregrounded. In the section on Benjamin, and the book is sort of divided into these two parts, where, of course, you're you're going back and forth and talking about these two thinkers, but you know, the first part of the book is really focused on Benjamin and the second part of the book is focused on Barth and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that part a little bit more in a few moments. But in the section on Benjamin, you do have a chapter uh, on uh, that, that focuses on a reading of Benjamin's thoughts on a particular photograph and that is this late 19th century winter garden portrait of uh, Franz Kafka as a child. Um, and you explore all of these different themes and issues um, in the discussion of of this photograph, autobiography, selfhood, magic, memory, redemption. So I'm just wondering, Katrina, if you could say a little bit more about these themes, well, about the photograph and about these themes and how you're using Benjamin's work uh, on, on this particular uh, image. Yes, and this is sort of coming back to your question, um, ben, you know, the status of, of family portraiture in mm. Benjamin's work. Because um, Benjamin's um, so sort of staying with this 31, 1931 uh, little history of photography essay, um, Benjamin's engagement with portraiture of the 19th century also brings him back uh, to his own childhood portraits. And um, the essay, in addition to being um, a review, um, and it's obviously not just a review, um, the essay also traces a certain... Um, well, um, certain, well, a, a sort of history of the, of the early, um, development of photography. And what Benjamin, um, focuses on is a, a certain, uh, high point in the development uh, and the, the kind of the beauty even of photographs of the very early, uh, photographers in the mid 19th century. And then what he calls a decline in taste. Um, and this is something that he sees very much related to um, photography that was especially towards the end of the 19th century standardized um, and where especially childhood portraits or portraits of family members were uh, quite sort of, um, well, yes, standardized images and where children and family members were put in quite sort of stifling uh, settings. Um, and so the, the status of, of, um, of family portraiture is um, to some extent related to um, the this 19th century or late 19th century decline um, in photography. 
Now, the particular Kafka portrait, what is so fascinating about this particular image, and um, in a striking coincidence with the, the most important photograph in, in Bart's work, um, the, the famous uh, childhood photograph of his mother in a winter garden, finds mm. a kind of correspondence in, in this winter garden uh, photograph of Franz Kafka as mm-hmm. child. Um, and this photograph, well, it's a photograph that was in Benjamin's possession. Um, and he obviously uses this as an example, or it might seem as if he uses this as an example for this decline uh, in taste. And in fact, he describes the image um, as, you know, related to this kind of stifling. I think he describes the setting as, a, you know, looking like a torture chamber. Uh, so the, uh, you know, the, the child is wearing a humiliating costume mm-hmm. um, so it is you know you really sort of feel for this um, rather sad looking uh, child that is Kafka and um, although it is a an example of this typical bourgeois um, type of family portraiture ben, for Benjamin the photograph also has a whole uh, different layer of meaning and he focuses on one particular detail um, in this portrait, which are the uh, very sad eyes, uh, Kafka's very sad eyes. Mm. Um, and because of the sadness in, in the boy's eyes, um, for Benjamin, the photograph takes on an entire new meaning. And the photograph, um, despite being part of this taste of decline, um, uh, this sorry, this decline in taste, um, despite being part of it, it also stands out. Mm-hmm. And um, not only in this first essay on photography from 31, but Benjamin repeatedly comes uh, back to this photograph in other texts, among others in his more autobiographical Berlin childhood around 1900 or in earlier versions of this. And we find that this particular photograph is more and more um, related to personal memory. He, in fact, fuses his own memories. Um, he superimposes his own memories onto the image um, and almost sort of um, where Kafka, Kafka becomes, the, you know, Kafka as child becomes Benjamin as child. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a very um, important uh, image in Benjamin's work, and one in relation to which um, I would say also the singularity of photography comes to the foreground in Benjamin's writings, because it is this particular image that um, shows us this dynamic that I mentioned earlier, the kind of, you know, particular relation between the photograph, the sitter, in this case Kafka, mm-hmm. and the viewer um, who is Benjamin. In your analysis of Bach's work, uh, Katrine, you talk about two periods of his sort of thinking and writing on photography from the 50s to the late 70s and 80s. Um, and, and you mentioned that Bach's movement and ways of thinking about and working on photography actually in some ways are the reverse of Benjamin in terms of themes and emphases. Could you say a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, well, what I meant with this or what I was trying to show is that, you know, looking at Benjamin's engagement with photography and Bach's engagement with photography in parallel, you see that Benjamin, Benjamin, when he started writing on photography, he actually engaged with particular images. Um, so his writing was really not just about photography as a medium, but about very, very specific images. And he moved um, in, you know, the later 1930s, um, and especially um, in his his work on Baudelaire and also in his work on the arc on the Parisian arcades. He he moves much more towards um, an investigation of photography as a medium mm-hmm. and what the impact of the medium was, this, you know, invention, what the impact was um, in, in uh, these processes that together make up modernity. In Bach's case, we find exactly the, the, um, the reverse case. He starts, um, or his first writings on photography are in the context of his um, uh, semiotic and, and uh, structuralist um, uh, ideas. And so in this context, Bach is much more interested in the nature of the photographic image. So one of his earliest, or, or some of the, the earliest writings on photography in Bach's case is, for example, in the context of mythology, mythologies, the kind mm-hmm. of little essays um, about 
um, sort of, you know, contemporary then, so 1950s uh, France, where uh, photography obviously was a kind of ubiqui ubiquitous um, uh, uh, image, um, a, a ubiquitous Im image technology already, and used in many ways, you know, for advertising, um, political uh, candidates used photography to um, promote their own uh, image, etc., etc. So Bert's interest in the 1950s and still in the 1960s was very much on uh, the meaning of photography, the medium specificity of photography, what made photography different from other representational arts. And he moved then, and the kind of um, turning point is sort of in the early 70s, mid-70s, he then moved towards an engagement that looked more and more at specific images. And his last text, um, La Chambre Claire, A Camera Lucida, then obviously is the kind of, you know, most specific engagement with particular images, images that are uh, reproduced in the book or that are um, sort of described, you know, in these, um, well, ecstatic ways, you know, he's sort of describing images that we actually don't see. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of what I meant with the, you know, complementary and yet sort of inverse uh, developments uh, when we look at Benjamin's and Bach's um, sort of writings, you know, from really this sort of wide-angle perspective, if you like. You explore um, some very similar themes in both sections of the book uh, focused on these different thinkers and connecting them as well, of course. You know, ideas about the self, about autobiography, about memory, and then also you know, because we probably can't talk about all of them, this uh, notion of redemption comes up in your discussion of both thinkers. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about what that means and how that theme of redemption operates. Yes, well, redemption is a is a term that is very important in Benjamin's work, and um, explicitly so. Um, uh, redemption is a a term that has sort of many meanings in in Benjamin's writings, and the the one meaning that I'm particularly interested in is the kind of cultural critical uh, meaning of the term. And redemption, um, in Benjamin's sense, refers to the idea it has, obviously, given his um, his Jewish background, it has a, um, a kind of messianic Jewish connotation. But in the context of cultural criticism, it takes on the idea of um, a moment of saving something or a moment in the present where you save something that is in the process of disappearing. Um, it's a, it's Perhaps a little bit paradoxical, but it also relates back to aura because mm. aura for Benjamin is also a concept that parado or is a phenomenon. Um, it's not really a concept. I'm never quite sure what to what to call it. Mm -hmm. I think you know, phenomenon is perhaps the best term. Um, it's a phenomenon that, in fact, we only see because it is about to disappear or because it has just disappeared. And so, this idea of redemption and saving uh, something is very much. Um, coming out of, of Benjamin's, um, of this kind of cultural critical uh, meaning of Benjamin's uh, idea of redemption. Mm -hmm. And what it relates to, um, well, it relates back to um, the notion of singularity. Um, if singularity is this relational event, um, there is an existential aspect to this because, um, and we've talked about this already, um, the photographs that these two authors are um, sort of um, most interested in, I would say, um, or at least I have uh, made it made it seem like this is uh, uh, the genre that they are most interested in, um, is portraiture. And in portraiture, there's always um, another person. There's always a sitter, someone um, who's real life, who's real existence. Um, is at stake. Um, so it's not, you know, an imaginary uh, sitter, but it, it is or it was a real uh, flesh and blood person. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the existential or the redemptive aspect comes in because um, this relational event that is singularity um, expresses itself, if you like, um, in a responsibility towards the other, the other in the photograph. And this is this relation, you've mentioned it already, you know, the, the, the question of selfhood and, and otherness, etc. This is mm -hmm. sort of where, where uh, this dimension comes in. And so the redemptive aspect in both Benjamin and, and Bach's writing, um, I have um, tried to argue, um, is this, this responsibility towards the other that in a way pays um, 
attribute to the singularity because singularity, if it is an event, um, it disappears. Um, it is very difficult. It's not, you know, it's not something that is stable. Um, and so the only way to do justice to the singularity, to this experienced and felt singularity, is by writing about it. Hmm. So this is where the sort of redemptive um, aspect uh, comes in. It's about, you know, doing justice to the, the felt singularity, the, the experienced singularity that involves a responsibility towards the other. Um, this is perhaps a silly question, Katrine, but it seems like so much of what we've talked about already and, and, and the ideas in the work of these two thinkers only works if the photograph is in fact a photograph of a person, a portrait of yes. some kind. It seems like, so did, did the work of these two thinkers, did they explore, I mean, obviously Benjamin talks about photography of artwork um but how much of a role does that other these other types of photography play in their work and in and your work on these two thinkers um well in my work it doesn't play um, an enormous role because i think what i was most interested in, interested in was you know precisely this this um relational aspect mm-hmm. and this relational aspect is obviously most present if the photograph shows um um uh, a human being sure um benjamin actually does talk about um photography sort of avant-garde photography he talks about um other photography Photographers, um, you know, of the 1930s, etc. So it is, it is certainly an aspect that is there um, in Benjamin. Perhaps slightly less so in Bart, although mm-hmm. Bart also wrote on, um, you know, art, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly something that I have, uh, you know, very much sidelined uh, in in my argument. Proust plays an interesting role in your readings of both of these uh, authors, and and I wonder oh, yes. if you could just say a little bit about about that you know the in in your readings of both of them and in their in their works um yes yes in fact uh, thank you for for mentioning this um it's something that that i almost uh, yeah i i uh, wouldn't have thought about this now for some reason, but you're absolutely right that Proust uh, plays this enormous role um, in, mm-hmm. in this discussion, um, especially in relation to photography. Um, Proust played a, also a very important role for these thinkers in very different ways. Um, uh, I mentioned at the very beginning of this interview that Benjamin uh, translated three volumes, That's right. uh, the first three volumes of Proust, so he was extremely, very intimately familiar with uh, with with Proust's writing. Um, and in fact, um, from his correspondence, we know that Benjamin was extremely frustrated uh, when he read Proust because he felt that Proust, um, you know, was doing a lot of the things already that he wanted to do in his own work. So it was a kind of very difficult relationship where on the one hand, he realized um, that uh, he found a lot of, you know, support, if you like, in, in Proust's writing, but also um, a certain amount of frustration because there was this constant feeling of, oh, Proust did this already, uh, what <laughs> I want to do. And it wasn't actually in, in, you know, in terms of literary writing. It was more in terms, I think Benjamin really read, Proust almost like a philosopher, mm. uh, as someone who had a lot to say about, you know, the experience of modernity and obviously especially about, you know, memory and how memory changes mm-hmm. um, or how, uh, yeah, how memory experience change um, in the process of modernity. So this was, you know, Benjamin's relation, quite difficult relation, um, mm-hmm. conflictual relation with Proust. Uh, for Bart, Bart re- Bart's relation to Proust, um, intellectual relation, um, was very different. Proust played, um, the reading of Proust played an enormous, uh, enormously important, uh, part in, in I think, you know, all of Bart's writing, really, from the start. Proust is one of mm-hmm. these authors in, in Bart's work who is there right from the start until the very end. Um, and it's interesting how Proust, in a way, uh, despite all the changing methodologies and sort of disciplines that, that Bach's work moves through, Proust is there as almost this kind of constant companion. And especially towards the end of his life, uh, Bach very much um, identified with Proust um, and in a much more um, sort of creative way. So unlike Benjamin, Bach actually had this desire to write a novel and Proust was an extremely uh, important reference point both mm-hmm. to sort of work through this desire and to understand the, de- 
desire, but also in terms of, you know, what it means to write, to write a novel. Because Proust plays this important part in both of these, these, these thinkers' work, um, um, and in relation to photography when it comes to memory. Um, memory and photography are, I think this is a kind of, um, well, if we look at the, the question of memory and photography, this is really a topos uh, that is there right from the start um, in, in photographic history or in the, the history of photographic theory. And so who simply imposed himself as this, you know, enormously important point of comparison mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in my work. The book ends, Katrine, with a discussion of singularity and photography in this age of digitization. And I just wonder if you could share a few thoughts on how the work of both Benjamin and Barth might help us to think about more recent developments in the world of photography and the image. Yes, I felt that um, we're working on two thinkers um, who were the only technology, photographic technology they knew uh, was uh, analog photography. But I did feel that um, sort of, you know, writing an entire book on them, I should say something about the more contemporary context and how mm-hmm. if um, these themes that I developed out of their, out of my reading, out of their writing, um, had, you know, relevance in, in the digital, um, or after the digital turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think where well, what struck me is that when um, the the digital image um, sort of uh, took hold in the early 90s, the reactions by photographic um, historians and theorists was um, the idea that there was a complete break uh, with everything that came before, a total questioning of what photography was and you know what its essence was about, etc. And I felt that, um, or I wondered simply, why then Benjamin and Bart still speak to us today? Why do they have this relevance that they clearly still have? And what I then focused on was um, the the perspective of the viewer. So it wasn't so much about how uh, digitization changed image production technologies, and this is um, first and foremost what it is about, um, but rather shifting the focus onto the processes of viewing images, the position of the viewer. And I think, um, well, I've mentioned it uh, quite a few times already, this idea that singularity is has a lot to do with the viewer, um, mm-hmm. you know, the person looking at the photograph. And so I felt that this was the most sort of fruitful way of actually thinking through this digital turn, if you like, with Benjamin and Bart, that in fact a lot of the viewing habits, um, a lot of the important and meaningful processes that happen when we engage with actual photographs are not that clear-cut different from uh, analog photography. So the difference between analog and and digital almost disappears. Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating. And, and, you know, the fact that the book ends with this more discussion of more contemporary developments in photography sort of leads me nicely to want to ask you about this special issue of Nottingham French Studies that's just come out um, this past summer um, focused on photography in contemporary French and Francophone cultures. And I wonder if you could say a little bit about your experience of editing this uh, volume, the choices of, you know, essays that are included in it, what its themes are, you know, the contribution that you're seeking to make with this this special issue on photography in contemporary French and Francophone cultures. Yes, you say it leads, the, 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 our discussion of uh, digitization leads, ni- uh, leads nicely on uh, to, to discussing this issue, which in fact isn't that much about uh, digitization, in fact, which, you know, may uh, sort of prove the point I was trying to make that the difference, I think, um, you know, sort of 20, 20 years or more uh, y- later is actually uh, was perhaps, you know, in the 1990s, uh, slightly overemphasized. Mm-hmm. Um, as a project, it is, it is something very, very different. Um, in a way, I came to this project, obviously, through my um, interest in photography. Um, and in, in this context, or with this, this special issue, much more in relation to the disciplinary context of French studies. Um, mm-hmm. So what I found very interesting is uh, while I was working on, on photography in a French studies context, um, I realized that although visual culture and especially cinema, uh, but also popular culture is quite prominent uh, sort of in the, um, in the disciplinary curriculum, you know, be it teaching or research, but that photography has this kind of rather precarious 
um, almost mm-hmm. invisible uh, place um, in the discipline. And so the 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 purpose of this issue and the um, the yeah the purpose of the issue was was twofold if you like one was to showcase um, the research that that is underway and has been underway for a number of years in French studies um, in relation to photography um, but also to actually give photography this this um, visibility in the mm-hmm. discipline um, yes so it was a kind of you know it was this this two pronged um, uh, approach um, the corpus and history that it that it looks at it looks um, at um, where four or there are where there are eight essays and they are grouped um, in two well there are sort of two essays on roughly similar um, themes and topics and it moves from um, a history of the cultural institutionalization of photography in France and sort of contemporary uh, discourses in relation to art to discussions of specific photographers who work in um, especially urban contexts to then uh, look at photography and how photography is used and what the meaning of photography is in relation to um, cultural identity in a uh, wider francophone context and then uh, a final pair of essays on um, photography in relation to uh, literary writing and especially autobiographical or biographical uh, writing um, and the phenomenon that is um, uh, uh, called photobiography. The issue does, in fact, you know, explore this amazing range of, of issues and themes um, in, the, in, in the contemporary world of French photography and it made me realize, and, and francophone cultures, and made me realize how, how little, in fact, I knew about uh, contemporary French photography. So I, I learned a great deal from, from reading, uh, reading through the issue. Um, well, Katrina, I've taken up a lot of your time, so there's just one last question I'd like to ask you, which is, what are you working on now? Uh, well, I'm currently working on a project that um, is a much more broad, broad a much more, much broader historical study um, on the still on photography and and French studies, um, and it is on the the impact of photography on the cultural construction of authorship. Um, it moves from the mid 19th century, so really from the invention uh, of the media to the present day and looks how um, photographs or portraits uh, of writers writers have been uh, used uh, and disseminated by writers themselves but also by others mm-hmm. to create and promote a public persona in tandem with um, their own writings but also their own reflection, more theoretical and conceptual reflection um, on the question of authorship and the authorial persona. Well, that sounds like a, a really interesting project, and I hope I'll get to to speak with you about it when it comes out in new book form. That would be, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> well, Katrina, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and for, for writing the book on Benjamin and Bart and for all of your editorial work on that special issue of Nottingham French Studies that's just come out. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you very much. You've been listening to New Books in French Studies. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you'll join us again next time.